0: The Athletic. Totally Football Show. Today, biggest cat's outcry since that movie, Chelsea with their Abu Dhabi do, untruths universally acknowledged, what's it like to have games in hand, midweek action and a big weekend preview. It's a bumper Totally Football Show in association with Paddy Carr. right Uh, it's thursday 10th of february you are the listener we are duncan alexander lindsey hooper and in a rare audio appearance nick miller hello i know yeah that's what he sounds like (laughs) disconcerting isn't it the man behind the totally football yearbook and loads of great pieces on the athletic what are you writing at the moment nick I'm um, writing a piece about
1: uh footballers documentaries, particularly these kind of single subject things with a Wayne Rooney documentary out this week. Oh. My central point being why do these footballers bother doing them? And uh, Okay. Yeah, I think it's going out on Saturday.
2: Is the answer money? Uh
1: in an indirect way, yes. They uh it's also kind of ego and trying to uh as everyone I spoke to said control the narrative about
3: their lives and careers. So love to control the narrative yeah
1: yeah
0: the Rooney video uh, the second most shared bit of footballer video uh, this week (laughs) of course number one being Kurt Zuma with feline a flying feline Uh, yeah uh, which I must admit, I I saw briefly at the time, and then you know immediately switched off, and I, I went back and watched the whole thing today because I thought we'll probably be talking about this after he played for West Ham on Tuesday. It, it, it is extraordinary. Um, any thoughts on the? I mean, beyond what he did, but the big controversy after West Ham's game against Watford was the fact that he started.
2: Hmm. think it was a delayed reaction i think we got there in the end the cats have been taken away which i think is what most people wanted to see first um there has been a hefty fine um huge fine isn't it Two hundred and fifty thousand pounds
0: yeah he's lost a sponsorship one of west Ham's sponsors has also uh, withdrawn that has ended their uh relationship over this as well I i mean and it is i think it's the right kind of action to be taken but it I don't think David Moyes' comments after the game helped many people with the fact that Kurt Zuma just started as if nothing had happened. Am I
1: overreacting here? I don't think so. I mean, I mean, and he could have—it could have just been all been avoided if he'd have not played Zuma against one of the worst teams in the Premier League. So even his football decision defense didn't hold up massively. Um, mm. He could have, you know, even if you just look at it from a fairly cynical PR point of view, he could have saved everyone a lot of trouble and potentially money by the by the sounds of the sponsors dropping out. If you know he'd have uh, just kind of done the right thing. Mm. Moyes, uh, Moyes, of course, earlier on in the season uh, defended people uh, who are sceptical about the COVID vaccine on the basis of diversity as well. So he's building up a quite a portfolio. Hmm.
2: I I can't understand the football statement from Moyes that it, it, it was a club matter and that he had to deal with matters on the pitch because, of course, it's a football matter. You know, even when you're safeguarding players in other circumstances, when there is public anger and there was probably anger as well from a lot of people playing on the pitch as well. Um, I mean, we heard some of the chants, didn't we, from Watford fans when he went down and had a little bit of a kick. It, you know, that's how the cat feels. But that could have actually escalated. So there was a footballing angle to this. I mean, it might have even been that there was a hefty injury to Zuma afterwards. It could have gone that way even. But what, th- if, of course it came in. it. Watford into- players
0: had, had taken retribution for the feline World yeah, on, on Zuma. or just being a
2: bit rougher than usual, you know. If you
0: haven't seen the video, and you know, well done for not watching it. Zuma does essentially drop kick a cat. Well, he he takes a cat from another room, walks into the kitchen, and then drop kicks it across the kitchen floor. He then proceeds to, from the video, hunt the cat uh, and throw things really violently at the cat. His son then catches the cat, places it on the table for Zuma to hit. I mean, it is it's it's not one act of mm. of, of, of violence towards. A household pet. It's it's a pretty concerted kind of sustained period of nastiness.
3: I mean, it's difficult to phrase this. I mean, I you absolutely have to. It's a terrible act. It's awful. No one wants to see see that. But but also the the kind of surreal nature of this week of looking, glancing up at Sky Sports News and seeing that cats have been taken into care and and, and it's just you know. <laughs> Sometimes it feels like, the, I mean, I predicted at the start of the season as a joke that a dog would be loose on a, on a Premier League pitch at some point this season. Um, the I got the wrong animal and the wrong scenario. But it does, there's a level of kind of extraordinary surreal narrative to the Premier mm-hmm. League that, that does set it apart from, from many things. And uh, I don't think anyone saw this, this coming, did they?
2: And you looked up again, Duncan, and then saw the cat at Sheffield Wednesday that was mm. kindly oh. escorted off and apparently had been a missing cat yeah. and it ended up being found.
3: Well, that you know, the yin and the yang and the karma of the...
0: If some of, good comes of the Kurt Zuma business, perhaps it's perhaps it's that. Yeah.
3: yeah. I mean, the only thing that occurred to me was, are there more players with the letters C-A-T in their name to have scored in the of Premier League e than, than D-O-G? You, um <laughs> so it's actually not you quite know close, what Duncan, so... don't worry it's okay <laughs> what do you want to know I think people uh, want to
0: know we'll
3: save that right, to the end then shall we
0: we'll save that to the end
2: number of goals I'd be going dog for Drogba if it was number of goals but are you talking right, about go on, different then. goal scorers no, go no, on Duncan no. <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> All right. Well, cats, we'll um... cats ahead cats ahead it's another win for cats
1: Yes, the correct, the right decision Thank you Duncan Mm. Alright, well,
0: uh, much more of this kind of thing on the way We'll we'll hear from Natalie Gendre Who's out in Abu Dhabi on the Club World Cup final Chelsea Palmeiras coming up on Saturday But first of all We've got some Premier League midweek drama to talk about Let's get the scores Tuesday, big win for Newcastle 3-1 over Everton moving out of the bottom three, leaving the Toffees just two from the drop. West Ham beat Watford 1-0 and Burnley held United to a 1-1 draw. United's players now want a new manager, we read. Wednesday, a mad game in North London between Spurs and Southampton. Saints eventually emerging 3-2 winners. Elsewhere it was pretty busy at Villa and their 3-3 draw with Leeds. There was a 1-1 draw for Norwich and Crystal Palace. Wolf Zaha with a remarkable goal and an even more remarkable penalty miss. And Man City beat Brentford 2-0 and of course we'll be talking loads about that. Still to play Liverpool-Leicester that's on Thursday as is Wolves-Arsenal, Lindsay Uh, In the meantime, who who saw what? Did anyone catch the classic slice of Premier League ding-dong, back and forth bit of VAR, bit of clattering challenges side order of hubris that was Spurs 2, Southampton 3.
4: Another one in by Ward, Prowse, another header and another goal as well he's checked this time, and Southampton have turned this game on its head and lead
0: 3 2. Duncan, what was your favourite bit of this mad evening's entertainment?
3: Um, I mean, probably the, the Antonio Conte mini meltdown towards the end. Um, it's rare to see a manager so angry after his team have taken the lead, but mm. um, I mean, I think Southampton had every right to say there should have been a foul on the, on the touchline. Woof, um, yeah. Uh, Play so this was on.
0: Emerson Royale taking out uh, Armando Brogier.
3: Yeah, and, and obviously Brogier had been, uh, played brilliantly and he was pretty much clattered. I mean, I think everyone can agree it would normally be given as a foul. Anyway, play mm. went on, Spurs took the lead and it looked... It looked then like they would go on to to seal a probably unfair win because Southampton played absolutely brilliantly in the game. They pressed them. They were just, I mean, kind of really want Southampton to win the FA Cup because they deserve something from you know after the last few seasons of uh, losing nine 0 here and there. Um, you know, Salisu was brilliant again. Um, a lot of Ghanaians wondered why I didn't go, but there we go. But yeah, Conte got really angry with Southampton's protests, um, and then the the Lord Hubris, uh, as yeah. you said. If you're,
0: if, is it possibly the most hubris inviting thing you could do, shush the opposition, when you take the lead when you're a Spurs manager?
3: You are, yeah, you are invoking some forces that you do not know. I mean, you know, they dug but, too deep when they built that stadium. Right.
0: But as you say, though, uh, in many ways, the fair result, because Saints were absolutely brilliant amidst a tricky, what looked like it was going to be a tricky run for them in the Premier League. They're now drawn at home with Manchester City, beaten Spurs, and they've got Man United coming up on Saturday, speaking of teams that have beaten them 9-0 of late. Uh, (laughs) We have to always bring that up. Well, (laughs) it, it was a singular a singular result. What about the work that Ralph Hasenhuttle has, has done mm. with Southampton? Did, did we expect to see them there in 10th place?
2: No, not at the beginning of the season, I didn't. Um, but as much as Duncan was loving the the sideline antics of Conte, I was loving the re- the reaction from Hasenhuttle. You can see how much passion he's still got. Um, And if you were a Southampton fan traveling and watching that sort of game, and then you see your manager reacting that way, there is a lot of fight in this team yet to come. So it wouldn't surprise me if they do go on a really good run in the FA Cup. I think there's a lot in this team now. I mean, James Mm. Ward-Prowse, I think I'm bordering on getting fed up of like waxing lyrical about him because he's so good. His deliveries, I don't think there's anyone else in the Premier League that can put it on a postage stamp like he does. They had Spurs on the ropes. My only criticism is that certainly in the first half, I think they they got so much more possession, so many more shots. They weren't burying the game at that point. Mm. I mean, they came away with the win here, but it, it could have ended up easily a draw, this one, and they would have felt hard done by. So they need to get that over the line. But this is the sort of result that will see them kick on, I think. You know, they're not going to sit back now. If they can get anywhere near seventh, why not go for it?
0: Alright, they will go on a run after this results as Lindsay clipped that up for Monday's show. 23 <laughs> shots they had, 10 on target, away at Spurs, Spurs only mustering
1: 8-3. and three. Nick? Uh, to answer your question to Duncan, I think my favourite moment of the game, I think it was in the second half, there was a, a cross over to the back post by a Spurs player, it might have been on, and basically uh, Harry Kane looked as if he was going to head it straight in, and then Emerson Royale went up for it as well. <laughs> Which kind of reminded me of uh, that? Um, Do we all see that guy who was on Question Time a couple of weeks ago? Who basically he was arguing yeah. with the uh, the uh, immunologist based yep. on some like documents he'd found on Reddit or something. <laughs>
0: I studied philosophy at university. Yeah,
3: that guy. Yeah, so it's just like Mike Dean's yellow card system. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Emerson Royal just kind of barging the expert out of the way to kind of you know try and score a goal, but you know, probably should have left it. Yeah, Emerson Royale is, as as we all are, tired of experts.
0: The uh, James Ward-Prowse question, though. Here's Keshav Varanvil, indeed, asking why he hasn't moved to a top six side yet. Surely he's good enough, says Keshav. His dead balls alone should be worthy.
2: I think we'll talk about Brozier moving before James Ward-Prowse does.
0: Well, he's owned by Chelsea, no Broja. Yeah, so, yeah, he'll mm. go back
2: to Chelsea, I, I imagine, because strikers are a rare commodity at the minute, and and obviously the fortunate goal that Lukaku scored in the Club World Cup, the way that mm. it fell to him, will help his confidence. But there is definitely room in in that squad for Broja, so I think he'll go. Yeah, James Ward Prowse moving on. I I don't know why someone hasn't come in from say the top four sides for him. I think he could. I look at Grealish's move to City and I think James Ward-Prowse could actually have offered them something else.
3: If it was a yard faster, I think he would definitely be at a top top four, top six club. But he, as we know, his dead ball plays is, is exceptional. Weirdly, that was only the second time in his career he'd got two assists in a Premier League game, but only took really? him two minutes, 16, to do it. And it was both times Spurs were like, yeah, just as James Ward-Prowse, we enjoy watching him cross the ball. Let's see where it goes. Oh, dear. But yeah, I think... He's obviously been on the periphery of the England team as well. And he is, I thought it was unlucky not to get into the into the Euro squad. He does offer something very different. Something but um... different.
2: He wants to be David Beckham, essentially. I mean, he's been chasing down those records, hasn't he? Scoring free kicks in Premier League matches. Yeah. Um, so why not Man United? I,
3: I think, weirdly, if they do switch to five substitutes, I think he could go to a big club. I think he's the sort of player that you... That, that you a, a big team would mm. would love to have on the bench for a certain you know if you see a game is going a certain way bring him on um, that might give him you know a bit more potential.
0: Spurs top four ambitions take a knock uh, after their two nil defeat as well in the previous game by Chelsea. Southampton, as we mentioned, next up will be at Old Trafford, where they did lose nine nil last time, taking on Man United. Intriguing match up this because it's uh, Ralph against Ralph assuming there are no changes by the weekend. Uh, Ralph Rangnick uh, against Ralf uh, Hasenhutl. Uh, the pair previously working together at RB Leipzig. natch. between 2016-2018, uh, Hasenhutl was manager, Rangnick, the sporting director. Well, Man United, we heard about Southampton, but Man United warming up for Saturday's clash uh, with another disappointing result. A 1-1 draw away at Turf Moor against Burnley. I'm reading Thursday morning that Man United's players want Pochettino. Uh, wh- why? And wh- where does this come from? Nick, you're in the journalism biz. Have, have, have The Athletic had calls from people briefing
1: for Man United players or Man United or Poch? What, what's behind all this? Um, I mean, this, is, this will be a briefing from, uh, I, I suspect, someone's agent who plays, uh, some player for Manchester United who um, has been leaking some kind of this thing that may suit them. When you say I'm in the journalism game, so sort of, yep. maybe on the edge of it. So right. I kind of hear things uh, third um, yeah, hand. But fourth hand for I, you, I, listener. How does that feel? Yeah. <laughs> this is why you're listening to this fourth hand information. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. You, you get you get kind of. I've read a couple of things saying, well, you know, the the why should the the players be deciding the the manager, which. I don't know. It feels like a slightly odd thing to say because it's slightly easier to It's easier to get rid of managers than it is for players. So, why don't you just kind of tailor to appoint the managerial appointments of the players you have? Nick, no, that's madness. That's like that way lies Lord of the Flies.
3: You've already lost the Picks dressing heads room on, on day one. And,
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> well,
3: you can't, th- they you can't
0: have managers depending on the player's favour. should be the other
1: way around. No, anyway, I think it's it's at least worth you know some feedback. Uh, I don't know are there any players in the United squad who have played for Partizan before? It, it, I, I think it, it's at least worth you know asking the question. Maybe not if they're demanding that someone comes in just well, it suits absolutely. them. Yeah, uh, Burnley fans and they are legion
0: uh, are demanding that we talk about about Sean Dyche's great work at Tiffen. Well, wouldn't it be great actually to see Sean Dyche take over it? Old Trafford, in the meantime, he's fighting this rearguard campaign with Burnley, who pick up a point thanks to Jay Rodriguez's equaliser after some phenomenal work by that Vogt-Veghorst, eh? The mm. big man,
3: the giant, the ent of, of Lancashire. Um, that's my new name from it, I don't think I will catch on. Um, yeah, I love him. Already, I think he's my favourite Premier League player. Just, just... As, Already? Yeah. Maybe ever, Um, he's just who was who's he who's he usurped in your heart? Uh, Kevin Davis. So you can see (laughs) the thing. No, probably not. But I mean, it it does vary. But I do, I do enjoy a kind of um, a team signing a player who Mm. just fits into that team. I mean, goes back to the next point (laughs) about Manchester United. I think, but um, it's a cliche, but. A good touch for a big man. His his bit of play to set up that goal was great. He had a shot that David De Gea made a really good save from as well. Burnley, they really woke up in the second half. They didn't have a shot in the first half, but they were all over United in the second half. And it was a lot of United fans on Twitter at half time saying, Oh, no, we've played really well, but we all know what happens now. We can only do one half. Mm. And people going, Yeah, but it is Burnley. But lo and behold, you know, it happened. And United were lucky to hang on in, in the end. Mm.
2: All evidence, as well, suggests that Burnley have made an upgrade on Chris Wood. Thought Veghorst looked much mm. better. R-
1: Ranit was saying after the game, he kept going on about that. You know, well, we scored three goals. We scored three goals, and two of them got, I mean, I, I think correctly disallowed. Mm. It just seemed a bit strange that he was kept kind of going on about that in a post-match interview. I mean, you know, who, whoever's doing his PR has really got their work out for him. <laughs> <laughs> A
0: lot of people seeing positives in what even and Carl was making this point on Monday that the idea is there, the execution isn't yet. Should should United and their players trust the process?
3: You can't really trust a process that's only gonna last six months, can you? Right. Is that the unless issue? You're, unless you're growing is he wheat the, or something, is he the
0: supply teacher in the unruly? Yeah, Armstrong that's the vibe, paper.
3: isn't it? You you need you need the sort of the fear of longevity right. in the dressing room. Um, didn't also, he joke
2: though that he might appoint himself because he was going to go <laughs> further up the chain and then potentially yes. appoint himself when he's in that new role? So we could Brilliant. see more of him—a dual role, mm. maybe. Yeah.
3: All right. Caretaker, director, of football manager—it's never been done, but not mm. yet. Um, we should also point out that once again, Ronaldo didn't look particularly happy. I'm starting to think that. See you. It's just short for see you back in the dressing room because I'm going straight <laughs> off
0: the pitch. Nice, nice. All right, well, he's without a goal now in his last five appearances. That's his worst run at club level since also going five games without a goal. At Real Madrid, that was 11 years ago, crikey. Burnley with that point, still bottom of the table. But we'll look at the situation in the relegation fight and all the games in hand that a little bit later on. Uh, Man United's top four rivals, meanwhile, Arsenal still to play. They'll be facing Wolves, as we heard at Molyneux on Thursday night. West Ham beat Watford to move back into fourth place. Uh, Jared Bowen with his sixth goal in his last six games. What a remarkable 2022 he is having. Watford, meanwhile, two games so far under Roy Hutchin, yet to score. Uh, Very good. Well, I mentioned Burnley still being bottom. They're four points from safety. They have two games in hand on Newcastle who have just emerged from the bottom three. And we'll hear about how they did that. Next.
4: Hi again, listeners, it's me. I'm Carl Monaghan from Paddy Power. Chelsea, on the back of European dominance last season, had huge ambitions to taste Premier League glory this term. And when Romelu Lukaku joined from Inter for the best part of £96 million, it seemed that he may have been the final piece of their jigsaw. It just has not quite happened for the Blues this season for a number of reasons. Tuchel's men have struggled for consistency. They've won only 10 of their last 20 games in all competitions before flying out to the UAE, hardly the form of a league-winning juggernaut. It's fair to say that Lukaku, so far at least, has failed to justify his massive price tag with just 10 goals in all competitions to date. Of course, he got the decisive goal the other night for Chelsea. But Chelsea, under the Germans' reign, are an opportunistic bunch, as we saw last season's smashing ground win in the Champions League. And more opportunity presents itself this week as the boots have a great chance to be crowned FIFA Club World Cup champions, and all they have to do is beat Palmeiras in the Club World Cup final. The Brazilians meet Chelsea after disposing of the African champions Al-Hali of Egypt in their semi-final on Tuesday. A second-half strike from one Dudu settled the contest. On Wednesday, Chelsea avoided stepping in Dudu themselves when they booked their place in the final after seeing off the Asian champions Al-Halil in their semi-final. The party Power traders don't fear the Brazilians, they make Chelsea 3 10 to win the competition. Palmerish are 11 5. And then in the match belling, folks, Chelsea are odds on at 13 20 to win the match. The draw is 27 10, and Palmeiras are 15 4. You can find out these odds and more at paddypower.com or indeed the Paddy Power app. Prices are accurate at the time of recording. It's over 18s. T's and C's apply. Begambleaware.org. And remember, take time to think.
5: This is the Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. The Athletic is the only place you can read articles by Daniel Taylor, Amy Lawrence, Phil Hay, James
0: Pearce, Ollie Kaye and the very best football writers around. Producer Charlie's just been on to say that the one Man United player who's previously featured under Pochettino is Luke Shaw, who did it at Southampton, of course. Hmm. Don't know what that means. Ooh, Totally Football League shows out today, Thursday, with Matt Davis-Adams... Among the many talking points, Derby getting to just four points now from safety and Fulham continuing their extraordinary title bid. They beat Millwall 3-0, a brace for Alexander Mitrovic, which takes his tally to 30 league goals this season. It's still only February. Duncan, hit us with a stat.
3: Um, No one has hit 50 in the second tier um, since George Camsell got 59 back in the 20s. Is that a true fact? That is a true fact. Cheapers. He, George Camswell famously obviously did 59, probably went, I'm a bit disappointed it wasn't around number 60, but at least that record's going to last for a long time. And then the following season, Dixie Dean got 60. So, um, wow. poor old George Camsell. But yeah, poor I mean, MP. I think if if Mitrovic can get to 50, um, yeah. which isn't, on the current rate, is about 49, 48, 49, if it's doable, then that would be some achievement. He's currently,
0: as per your Twitter feed, ahead of Brentford and Millwall for league goals this season and only one behind Palace. Extraordinary.
2: But has he found his level?
0: I don't know, Lindsay. Maybe they'll have a view on that on the Football League show. Maybe. The Offside Rule is also out now <laughs> uh, with an eye on Chelsea Arsenal, which is coming up, Lindsay. Mark this one in your diary. Uh, Friday night. <laughs> yeah, uh, i better mark WSI. it in my diary. I've,
2: I've got yeah. to be there.
0: You're going to be hosting coverage, no, for Sky Sports?
2: Yes, I will. I will be in the studio for this one.
0: Mm. Um,
2: everyone's talking about it as a title decider. I'm not sure if that's a bit strong because we've had some shot results this season. So we've seen Arsenal lose to Birmingham. We've seen Chelsea lose to Reading. Those results are there. They could happen at some point. So I don't think it's a decider, but I think it's a momentum shifter. Is that how you describe it? If that's Chelsea exactly, win, yeah, yeah then yeah mm it suddenly becomes them that are in the hot seat.
0: For any listener who uh, maybe doesn't follow WSL as assiduously as you do, why would you tell them to tune into this on Friday night?
2: Oh, it's going to be the game of the season. And I mean, I I won't even hold back to say that it's probably going to go a long way to telling us who will win. Right. Um, There obviously are quite a few fixtures left after this one, but when first versus second, two points in it, Chelsea can leapfrog Arsenal. Chelsea proving as well in recent seasons that they know how to win and they can win ugly sometimes. Um, tactical um, matchup as well between Jonas Eideval and Emma Hayes. Yeah, it's got everything. You've got Sam Kerr as well back um, mm. and she's been fantastic uh, for Chelsea this season. You could see Frank Kirby coming. I think actually the front three for both sides could be really interesting. So we could uh, hopefully get a few goals in it.
0: All right. Well, the, the, the last meeting back at the Emirates was pretty special. A five goal thriller there. Uh let's see what Friday holds. Uh, back to the Premier League, uh, Tuesday night in Newcastle. Newcastle 3-1 winners over Everton. Looks like that January window might just have saved the Magpies bacon after all. New signing Kieran Trippier with the standout performance alongside perhaps Alan Maxima.
1: Yeah, I mean it's the, when Newcastle signed Trippier, it was a, I think there was a, a bit of kind of I don't know doubt why they were spending so much money on a uh, uh, right-back in his 30s, about, you know, whether that will have a particularly significant impact on their form. But obviously they basically signed a whole new defence and as we saw Trippier's free kicks and crossing ability when you've got someone like uh, Chris Wood in the middle as well was a huge difference in, in this game and we've seen I think will be for the for the rest of the season.
3: Yeah, and also, you're kind of signing an attitude, like a professionalism that I think that that Newcastle defence pretty much hasn't had for a while, and you saw it in that game, he was, as you say, Nick, outstanding going forward, but really good at the back, very organisational, he was defending his teammates when there were fouls, he was talking to the referee, he was passing on instructions. It's it's that sort of almost intangible level of quality that, that you get if you've played for You know, big teams, you've played for Atletico Madrid in the latter stages of the Champions League, etc. So, yeah, it did seem a bit, as you say, a lot of money for a right back in his 30s, but I think it could be one of the. If he stays fit, he did look slightly injured at the end of the match, but it could be one of the the key building blocks for Newcastle.
1: So, Maximan as well, I mean, he was obviously brilliant in this game, and when he plays like that, you you do get this sort of Ward Prowse question of why he isn't playing for someone a bit better, but as a neutral, I think he's kind of in the perfect place because if he. Played for a top six team, then there would be so much more attention on him that. You would see everyone picking out his, you know, fairly relatively considerable flaws as well. So mm. it's just a bit nicer to have him uh, in a team like that, but maybe don't get as much attention. To, uh, and when uh, when he does get that attention, uh, it's to watch the highlight reels of, of games like Tuesday night when he just looks absolutely sensational.
2: He did and. Every time I watch Newcastle, he's head and shoulders their best player. I mean, we're talking about Trippier, but I, I think Sam Maximan edged it on this one. He is unplayable at times. I think there are there are lots of Premier League opposition players that would name him in their top three of not wanting to come up against them. Now Adama Traore's gone as well. He's definitely in the top three.
0: Mm. You say head and shoulders. But His head and shoulders are magnificent, comfortably the best best hair <laughs> in, in, in the Premier League. And, uh, well, yeah, so much fun to watch. It's nice that he's not gone to one of the bigger sides. It's nice to have players like that around the rest of the division. It's a hugely entertaining game, this, uh, starting off with back-to-back own goals to get things underway. Uh, Jamal LaSalle's diverting a Mason Hall effort into his own net. And then what felt like about three seconds later, the the two players inverting at the other end.
3: Yeah, it's the, it's the shortest gap between two own goals in Premier League history and... Uh, it's the first time that they've been versed like that as well. So mm. it it was it was just a glitch. Occasionally, you know, there's a glitch in the game and, and you see some of the code and there, there it was. But um, it kind of it set up the game really well because, it, it, you know, the, the first own goal came from a ridiculously stupid John Joe Shelby uh, tackle on the right wing, you know, which you can coach some things out of players, but you can't coach that out of Shelby, I guess. But... Um, but, yeah, it was a really kind of... It reminded me of a game from the 1990s, actually. It had a sort mm. of kind of ebb and flow. The atmosphere at St James's Park obviously was, was very good and, and you could see that both teams knew that it was a huge match for the rest of the season. Frank Lampard hadn't quite grasped that you don't play Jordan Pickford away at Newcastle. Um, that was the first time Pickford had played in this fixture since 2019.
2: With Southgate watching.
3: <laughs> yeah. He did all right, relatively. Um, and Everton, are, they're one point ahead of Newcastle now, and I know they've got a, a game in hand over them and a few others, but they're in quite a lot of trouble. That was Lampard's sixth defeat in his ni- last nine Premier League games, obviously, mm. including the, the end at Chelsea. And, yeah, I think it's going to be an you know an interesting few months.
0: Uh, a couple of other fun things about that game. And Newcastle, in their match day scored having not only the tallest player in the Premier League, Dan Byrne, Six foot seven, but also the shortest player in the Premier League, Ryan Fraser, five foot four, who of course got the second goal, giving the Magpies the lead. And of course, it was Trippier with the free kick, which was his first goal since August 2018. I'm stunned by that bit of information, uh, who made it three one. Everton have been in the top flight since 1954. Duncan, are you saying that they're actually going to go down?
3: No but I think they're in for a bit of a scrap and they might go down. Stranger things have happened.
1: They're placing quite a lot of faith in the the, the sort of plan to keep them up and revamp in January. was appointing a manager who no one really knows whether he's any good or not. And then signing a couple of midfielders one that everyone thinks is great but has barely played in 18 months, and the other that people sort of vaguely think, well, maybe sprinkle a bit of midfielder magic dust on him and he'll get back to his old self again. Right. When, uh, Dele Alli kind of, uh, there were. if you include the sort of last knockings of Pochettino, there were four managers there who didn't get a tune out of him, so it's it, he may well be the classic kind of change of scenery guy and he'll turn out to be great for Everton and Lampard will teach him everything he knows but it is a bit of a it feels like a bit of a punt
2: those signings were pitched as these are players that have got something to prove I didn't see Mm -hmm. that in this game at all I didn't see it from Deli Alley. I didn't see it from Donny van der Beek at all and that's concerning isn't it you know when you when you've just signed you've got the new manager usually you get that that purple patch don't you for, from those new signings and coming in and trying to prove yourself it's then about maintaining it and having consistency he's got to get a tune out of them really quick um, may, maybe the best signing was El Ghazi mm.
1: the, ca- the caveat for this game obviously is that they, they'd lost a couple of very important players in the hmm. first half to injury. Um, Demarco has probably been their best attacker this season, and Yerry Mina's is kind of essentially the only grown up in yeah. the defence. Um, and he's, I think, probably quite concerned about him because he's he's barely played this season, and a couple of the times he has played, he's immediately got injured again. So um, yeah. that's a that's a, a big problem for them.
3: I mean, they need Calvert Lewin back. Um, he is. The best forward, even allowing for my boy he's he's probably the best striker of any, any of those teams down there. have got. I think if you put Calvert Lewin into the Newcastle team, fit Calvert Lewin, they'd be they'd be fine. So yeah, he that's been a big loss as well this season. So um, getting him fit, I think he he will play a bit like Tammy Abraham did uh, for Lampard. Similar has shot some similar sort of areas, but I think I think Everton have got enough. But. You know, there's always one team that, that really sort of spirals down in the second half of the season, um, mm. and it could be them.
2: Could when be them. you have big players as well that that need an arm around them, and you think about Lampard's attention right now, is he going to have to How many give, arms has he got? Yeah, how many <laughs> arms has he got? And, and is he going to have to really focus on Ali and and der I think about Damari Gray, and mm. I think maybe he'll be ignored. Maybe some of these players that have actually been doing really well, Anthony Gordon came through, maybe they're going to get ignored because now these names have come in and they're going to demand more attention.
0: Well, hopefully, he's got a big enough heart for all the squad. But they have got a game on this weekend. It's Everton Leeds. Will Frank be sending scouts out with pliers to the Leeds training ground in revenge for Spygate when Leeds were fined 200 grand when uh, a member of the Leeds staff spied on Lampard's Derby? Um, only for Leeds presumably to then go and play exactly the same way they always do, but uh,
1: yes. And the, the the kind of funny part of that was that Bielsaic gave this kind of punishingly long press conference after yeah. to kind of explain why he did it and as part of that he basically said look, it probably doesn't make any difference at all I just get a bit twitchy if I haven't massively prepared. so this is this is part of that it doesn't really make a difference.
4: Hmm.
0: Um,
1: Alright, well Dossiers will be being
0: prepared even now on Frank Lampard's Everton. Everton now just uh, just outside the bottom three. They're only two points from the drop. Newcastle only one point behind them. And one point ahead, the Magpies of Norwich, who have dropped back into the danger zone with Watford and Burnley. Burnley have only played 20 games. Everton have played 21. Newcastle and Watford have played 22. And Norwich are whopping 23. So Burnley, and to an extent Everton, have an abundance of games in hand. That's always regarded as a positive. Nick, you've just written a piece about what it's actually like when it becomes a bit of a millstone hanging around your neck.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it was interesting because every um, every person in football, kind of managers, players, former managers and players, Said that you don't want lots of games in hand because it does become a bit of a mil- uh, millstone, and you know you uh, the, the the extra pressure on the games in hand is counterproductive. Um, but then, with actually with a, a huge assist from Duncan Alexander uh, on this, um, uh, looking at the previous examples of teams that have a lot have had a lot of games in hand in the Premier League, uh, almost all of them improved after the point where they had lots of games in hand uh, and no one's, I think the 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 low the, the most anyone dropped in terms of league position was one place um, and this was about 12 or 13 teams. So um, anecdotal evidence says it's a, a bad thing, uh, kind of actual evidence suggests that uh, it's uh, positive.
0: There you go, Duncan Alexander is not just there for how many teams have the letters to
1: catch.
3: <laughs> was players, not teams. Pri- Come on. Primarily, though. Prim-
1: the, the, the Primarily, useful, cat and dog. The the useful statistical stuff is, uh, um, you know, is very much a, a side project of his. The, the cat right. stuff yeah. is what is the real. Yeah. Drives him. That's the Precisely. passion. Precisely. We all enjoy the
5: sport we call the beautiful game. But since I've retired, I've discovered an ugly, even darker side to the sport we love. Join me as Jamie Redknapp investigates.
4: Thanks, Jamie. We'll take it from here. Join Jamie Redknapp for Jamie Investigates, the football mockumentary series. Watch on Paddy Power's Twitter. This week, Jamie Investigates, people who still call the Premier League the Premiership. Do you know the truth? Paddy Power. 18plusbcamble.org. Looking
5: for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? On Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Smart Speaker and now ad-free on The Athletic,
1: this is The Totally Football Show with James Richardson. We've just been talking about Leeds. What game that was at Villa Park. Sensational. It was one of the best fun games I've I've watched in, in some time. I mean, Villa were... Leeds started brilliantly. Then Villa were uh, incredible for about 20-25 minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, Jacob Ramsey was, uh, was <sighs> score two goals. You kind of I, I, when they signed uh, Coutinho, you, I, I, they're, they're different players. But I kind of thought well, you, you sort of worried that Ramsey was going to kind of get. Forced out of the team a little bit, which would have been a, a huge shame, but they seem to be dovetailing beautifully at the moment. Um, obviously, Coutinho's pass for Ramsey's first goal—I think it was—it was it both goals he yeah. assisted. Um, yeah, both. Yeah. Yeah, but
2: th- the first—the th-
3: pass, yeah.
1: pass for the first one was a, was absolutely sensational, um, and a couple of kind of very different but equally sensational and, and composed uh, finishes. Villa mm. then kind of dropped off quite a lot in the second half um, as your concert got sent off um, and uh, Leeds kind of did their thing and got back I particularly enjoyed Dan James's uh, I think it was the uh, leads second goal um, he went up for a header with um, with Mings and concert Ming's he started out directly in line with the ball. Mings knocked him out of the way and then Consa then knocked him back into the way and the ball <laughs> then hit his head and went in. It was, a, it was a glorious kind of human pinball that eventually resulted in a goal for Leeds.
3: It's like a toddler on a trampoline with two eight-year-olds just getting bashed back and forth. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: Mm. Crikey, that's quite an image. Uh, Dan James with a fabulous brace in that game, which is a real boost for a player whose end product has generally been... Brought into question, Philippe Coutinho now with as many Premier League assists this season as Jack Grealish.
3: Yes, and Dan James with as many Premier League away goals this season as Cristiano Ronaldo. Which, Ooh. given the Ooh. the transfer dealings at the end mm. of August at Old Trafford, uh, might make you think. Clap the fans as well at the end. So, <laughs>
1: <laughs> a pointed message to his former teammate. Mm. Uh, also this
0: midweek, Man City had a Tuna win over Brentford. Ria Mahrez becoming only the second Man City player to score in five successive Premier League appearances.
2: That won't last long with Pep's rotation.
0: Well, but it's his appearances, <laughs> no? So as long as when oh, he okay. does get in a chance to score. OK, his appearances, OK. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, uh, well, there you go. That's a nice stat What if for him. Pep
3: plays the first existential formation in football history? So he's he scores, but he's not actually there. Then it'll <laughs> shatter, that's that.
0: OK. And facing Man City next are Norwich, who had a 1-1 draw with Crystal Palace. Uh, a 1-1 draw in which they took the lead after, what, Duncan, 38 seconds through Teemu Puki.
3: Yeah. Fastest goal this season in the Premier League.
0: Is that right? Is that right? And then uh, Wilfred Zahar had, well, a worldie, mm. and then one of the worst Premier League penalties ever.
3: Yeah, he sort of slipped and kicked the ball into his ankle, and yeah, it was. It's a sort of penalty that you'd get a retake if you were a kid, but this is the Premier League, so I'm afraid not. It right.
1: It, fans of kind of '90s uh, blooper videos may remember Peter Devine, um, the guy mm. who uh, basically tripped over before taking the penalty and um, right. scuffed it in a sort of similar. Man. Was it captioned "Divine Comedy"? I hope it was. Uh, many, I think, in many places. I do, for yeah. for, a, for an article, there's strange yeah. places that. To I err suppose.
0: is human. To foul up a penalty is divine. Did they do that one as well?
1: <laughs> I, I mean, maybe we should reboot this just so we can use those. Uh, for, for for an article a couple of years ago, I tried to interview Peter Divine and actually managed to get hold of him, but he politely declined to talk about it because presumably he thought I was going to take the piss
3: royally, but. Yeah. Right, okay. Presumably, like, of course you were.
1: <laughs> I was, I was going to ask you how it had affected his life and, you know, talk about it in a very
3: human yeah, way. Get, yeah, getting run up by Nick Miller, it's a nightmare. Every yeah. day.
1: <laughs> not
0: the only time, of course, that, that penalty incident, not the only time a, a divine has had to eat on camera, of course.
1: Ah. <laughs> <and>, um... <laughs> <laughs> uh. Anyway, How
2: long have you been sat on that one? How
0: long? <laughs> so, Nor- <laughs> Norwich, Norwich taking on Man City, uh, who they actually beat. Do you remember this? Uh, last mm. time Man City went to Carrow Road, it was admittedly pre-pandemic and far off pre-pandemic time, September 2019, but that was their last visit to Carrow Road and Norwich beat them. Fabulous. All right. Uh, do you want to have a quick run through what's coming up this weekend? Yeah, here we go. Man United up against Southampton. That's the early game on, on Saturday. Then you've got Norwich Man City in the evening between those two, Everton Leeds, Watford Brighton and Brentford Palace. Sunday, there's Burnley Liverpool, Newcastle Aston Villa, Spurs Wolves, Lindsay, and Leicester West Ham. Foxes v Hammers, which sounds like an entry from Kurt Zuma's diary. It's actually a Premier League <laughs> match. The reverse fixture witch saw Mikel Antonio celebrate with a cardboard cutout of himself do you remember that that also seems like I was ages there for ago. that one a wheel oh, and
2: and I saw the setup beforehand so when they came out to warm up he came over to where the bench was I didn't know it was a cardboard cut out cut out but I knew something was down there because he gestured oh I might need that and I, and I was, there's something going on here um but yeah the the whole dirty dancing and then he got the film <laughs> wrong didn't he yeah
1: <laughs> bless.
3: Save the last dance,
5: you know what I the lift from the end, save the last dance
0: uh, oh, uh, Anyway, now Leicester have only won three of their last 11 games in all competitions They've also got a terrible record against West Ham uh, They're going to be taking on Liverpool Thursday night though. So maybe their run of results has improved at Anfield by the time you hear this, listener. I don't know
2: So on the offside rule this week, we've actually dissected what has gone wrong at Leicester, Mm. um, whether Brendan Rodgers is to blame because apparently he's now number one for the chop next in the managerial sackings, um, according to the bookies. So you look at the job that he's done. um, I wondered, and I'm sure Duncan's the one to refer this to, but if there is any correlation between the head of recruitment changes, that was something that I look back on. I saw that Steve Walsh obviously left the club having assembled that title winning team Um, and then 2019 Lee Congerton came in at the club and it feels like a lot of the purchases they aren't players are they that that they bought in from abroad they used to have some really good links with France as we know and then develop these players and then they go off to be these great assets they haven't done that for a while is it the recruitment?
3: Yeah recruitment's recruitment's a strange one although you can get Even within a single person, they can have a couple of seasons of really good recruitment. You know, like Steve Walsh left Leicester to go to Everton and they kind of went, well, we're set now because he made Leicester title winners. But it doesn't necessarily work like that. So, yeah, maybe. I mean, there's also been a flurry of um, physio changes recently, hasn't there? I like the idea of a transfer market for physios. Like they issue a come and heal me play or something. But, um, (laughs) (laughs) but, um, yeah, I know Leicester, did they lose theirs to... Palace or something so who knows
0: I'm not sure Lindsay Spurs taking on Wolves two o'clock on Sunday Noah no Adama Triori. what's the point? But he won't
2: be he won't be on the other side either James
0: ah yeah that's true crikey he could have been right mm. yeah he could
2: have been I wouldn't have liked that
0: no but um. uh, are you sad to see him go has the magic gone for you a bit
2: the magic had are- started to wane a little I mean by the time he actually left he'd started Mm. looking like he was going to score goals again and you also saw how much it meant to him and the rest of the team and how much the club just really loved him but I think I was at the ebb in my in my love for him whereby I was ready for if he was going to go then go and go to Barcelona absolutely don't want to see him playing against us in any other Premier League team. Mm. Um, that wouldn't have been nice. So I, I can cope with it. Okay. I think well, he, he is eternally going to be that player that you think has all of this promise and slightly under delivers. And I, I wonder whether he'll ever be on par with those two because if it does, it will be electric.
0: Okay. Oiled up and glistening. What a magnificent sight. he was <laughs> Electric <Duncan's>... and glossy.
2: <laughs> yes.
0: Yeah. Oh, I'm not sure what that means, so I'm just going to move on. Duncan... <laughs> Um, you said that vote Weghorst now your favourite player I'm going to ask Lindsay and Nick in much the same way that there are actors who you'll go oh I will watch that film because they're in it which footballers will make you give a game your attention or like name one who's your favourite I mean we, we
1: we talked about him earlier but Sam Maximan Sam Maximan is, yeah um, I was just
2: thinking um, I was yeah. thinking Sam Maximan's one
1: a, a, a classic neutrals favourite and uh, is there another uh, you, one
2: Kevin De Bruyne yeah I, yeah, I love watching Kevin De Bruyne, the way that he just sprays those balls around, love it. And also he he has a really good shot on him.
0: Yeah, no, he does. I mean, technically just...
3: Cedric Suarez, for me.
0: Cedric Suarez. <laughs> yeah. Why, Duncan? Just honest,
3: box to box for a full Okay. Excellent. I was
1: going to say, also, Bakayosaka is um, very entertaining. Yeah. Someone, I think during the Euros, someone described him as the concept of fun playing football, which um, I quite ah. enjoyed. I enjoyed. Well, Smith well, Rowe as
2: well. I, I really yeah. like watching Smith Rowe. Moutinho, hmm. for me, though, from Wolves.
0: Crikey, we're getting quite a lot of players. Huh? Mm. Anyway, yeah, there you go. Uh, Spurs playing Wolves. Are Wolves going to win that one, Lindsay?
2: Yeah, is that Tottenham Hotspur Stadium? I mean, looking at what Saints did... You'd hope. But I I actually think we're short in attack at the moment. So it's one of those where if Tottenham, as they did against Saints, scored two, I don't think Wolves can score three right, right. now. So I'd take a draw.
0: Wolves are at Tottenham. Chelsea, meanwhile, will be playing at the Emirates. The actual Emirates. Yay. Yay. In the Club World Cup final in a lovely bumper final part, we'll be getting the latest from Natalie Jedra on the ground in Abu Dhabi and more.
5: You're listening to The Totally Football Show, in association with Paddy Power. And with Paddy Power, if something doesn't go quite according to plan, you can get your money back as a free bet if one leg of your bet builder lets you down. And that's got to be good news for all you Man United fans out there, eh? Pre-match bet builders only. Get your stake back as a free bet. Minimum 4 plus legs. Max free bet, £10. Excludes enhanced match odds. T and C's apply. It's over 18s only. And please, gamble responsibly.
0: It's the 10th of February, listener. Still, I know it's been going on for a while, this podcast, but... Uh, on this day, 10th of February, 1996, Brian Laws threw chicken wings at Ivano Bonetti that very same day quietly Faustino Sprillia made his Newcastle debut coming off the bench in the Tineties derby against Borough and setting up the equaliser
5: Esprilja in the middle so is Watson good skill here's Watson
3: what an entry into the premiership
0: Newcastle went on to win 2-1. A great start, but it is a truth universally acknowledged that Asprilla was the extra egg that ruined the pudding that Kevin Keegan was making. And Newcastle had been nine points clear at the top of the table when Asprilla joined. They didn't win the title, and it's all his fault. Duncan, is that fair?
3: It's not fair, really. I mean, unless he was employed as as Darren Peacock's defensive coach, which I'm not sure (laughs) he was, I don't think you can blame him. I mean... If you look at assists from when he joined in February right. to the end of the season, he assisted two more goals than any other player in the Premier League in, in that time span. So he did essentially what he was supposed to do. They just kept on conceding, um, and that's down to Keegan and his coaching staff. I would, I would say. Um, yeah. mm.
0: Well, you're probably not wrong. Are there any other commonly held footballing truce that you'd like to shatter while while we're here?
1: I don't know if it quite qualifies, but one of my f- uh, a favourite kind of fact, similar uh, exotic signing in and for a northeast club, uh, Fabrizio Ravinelli, played. Oh yeah. uh, he played more games for Derby than he did uh, for Middlesbrough. Which what? Um, yeah, yeah. I couldn't tell you about a single
3: game he played for Derby, but he played more of them for them. Wow.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That's a turn up, hey? Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah. I mean, if you score a hat trick on your debut for Middlesbrough, that. You know, people just it's kind of stick that. in your
1: mind, did not it?
3: Yeah. yeah, I think the 1990s was a fertile time for for these things getting lodged in people's heads and then they kind of stuck there. So, for years, people used to say you need 40 points to stir up in the Premier League, which for a couple of seasons in the in the 90s you did. It's it's around 36 now. We'll pretty much guarantee you. Yeah, but, the
2: last five seasons, 37 has kept you up, hasn't it?
3: Yeah. But to be fair, I think I've heard that less in the last few years. I think that one is slowly fading from from popular imagination. But the, these things do sort of, you know, Michael Owen, a 20-goal-a-season striker, never scored more than 19 in a Premier League season. So, you know, people imagine stuff and it's not true.
0: Yeah, a lot of food for thought there. Magnificent, thank you. Uh, we've got Natalie Gendra on the line from Abu Dhabi to tell us all about the Club World Cup. Of course, Chelsea are bidding to become only the third Premier League side to win the greatest, most prestigious title in club football. Uh, They're going to be up against Palmeiras on Saturday. And may I just mention that you can watch this. It's at 4.30, but you can watch it even though there's that blackout. You can watch this through the blackout because it's in Abu Dhabi. It's not affected for some reason. It's a loophole. Brilliant. So tune into channel 4 for live football on TV Saturday afternoon. Let's hear a little bit more about Chelsea Palmeiras from Natalie Jedra. Hello Natalie.
6: Hello James.
0: Mm, good how's Abu Dhabi?
6: Very warm. And busy because, well, uh, I've been covering for for Brazilian TV, for ESPN Brazil and Brazilians go crazy about the Club World Cup. So it's a big coverage here.
0: Absolutely. There seem to be loads of green Palmeiras shirts uh, around in in, in pictures I've seen. Uh, Some Chelsea fans as well who were present for Wednesday's semi-final clash with Asian Champions League winners Al-Hilal out of Saudi Arabia. Uh, Were you able to see this game?
6: Yes, yes, I was there, and I actually got a chance to speak to a few Chelsea fans uh, because there were a lot of uh, foreigners and Indians and Saudis and uh, supporting Chelsea. People from all over the world supporting Chelsea. But I managed to find a few few British ones who who made it to to Abu Dhabi and are following the team. Yeah.
0: All right. What did they make of the performance? Romelu Lukaku with the only goal of the game, uh, his first since January the eighth, but. It, it seemed to be as much about the chances that he didn't take, that Chelsea didn't take as anything else. They almost came a Cropper for the second time in a week, indeed.
6: Yeah, Kepa had, had some work to do uh, on, the, on the second half. It wasn't the most inspiring performance from Chelsea, definitely against Al-Hilal. You can imagine that these teams, when they play uh, clubs like Chelsea, it's a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. So they, they really give it all and they won their, their previous match uh, 6-1 they are an organized team they have a good manager Leonardo Jardim uh, who who managed uh, Monaco when they reached the semifinal in 2017 so they were very organized and they they really tried to attack Chelsea and, and Chelsea didn't respond well on second half uh, I think they, they looked a bit laggy uh, mm. at times and wasted a few good opportunities especially on the first half half uh, on the final third uh, but we had a, a really good performance from from Kovacic. Uh, Lukaku scored which is always good uh, in terms of confidence for a striker and we'll see but I, I really think uh, Chelsea should step up their performance against Palmeiras because uh, with Palmeiras it's going to be a different, different scenario.
0: Mm-hmm. Lukaku has now scored two goals in 2022 against Chesterfield and Saudi Arabia's Fourth best team Al Hilal. Uh, okay, so as you say, Palmyra's a different magnitude of opponent. Uh, a who so, were uh, two nil winners against Al Ali. End of the road for Al Ali in the semi final. Uh, with oh, the second goal from Dudu. What a stunner that was!
6: Yeah, yeah, it was. It was a great goal. Well, Dudu is is the player who's most identified with with Palmeiras today because he he had two spells on the club and he's been delivering in big moments for a very long time. He knows the club really well. And actually Palmeiras has been in this process of, of change, of deep change. Uh, For for a while now, their manager, Abel Ferreira, is a a Portuguese manager. He's young, he's 43, and he changed absolutely everything in the club. The fans absolutely love him, and he brought that European vision and more professionalism. And Palmeiras is a very organized team due to Abel. So if you ask any fans, oh, who is the main guy in Palmeiras? They're going to say the manager. They're going to say Abel Ferreira, because he changed the mentality, he changed the they play, he changed uh formations and he's getting the best out of uh players who weren't uh, performing well enough before that. Uh, so Palmeiras, they they don't have uh that many stars, if you might say, but mm-hmm. uh, but they but they do they, they they're very aware of what they need to do and they're very organized and disciplined and they're they're playing for their lives against Chelsea definitely.
0: Crikey, well, as you say, South American sides feel this competition so much they haven't actually won it the, the European sides have won the last eight finals in fact the last time that the South American uh, champion won was in 2012 and oh my word it was against Chelsea Corinthians what do you yes. think are we going to see Palmeiras wrest back the global crown this Saturday
6: Well, I I think it really depends on how how Chelsea can behave. Because if Chelsea can play at their best, they're going to beat Palmeiras. But uh, if they can't reach that level, I think Palmeiras will be definitely very competitive, very competitive. And I I actually think they they may have a chance because they are so focused and because this is so important. Uh, There's an estimate of around 15,000 Palmeiras fans who made it to Abu Dhabi, very long trip. So uh, the atmosphere is gonna be all uh, for Palmeiras. And as, as I said, they're very aware of how they, they should behave and they're very disciplined and they're very focused. This, this, this is huge for them. So they are playing for their lives. And Abel Ferreira created this, this mentality and this focus uh, for their players. And we know how much talent and in, in normal conditions Chelsea would beat Palmeiras. But you have all these factors and motivation that, that really can play a part in this final, definitely.
0: Crikey. Natalie, amazing. I hope you enjoy the game on on Saturday and look forward to speaking to you again soon.
6: Thank you, James.
0: Natalie Jedra. Lindsay, I know you saw the game against Al-Hilal. It was you? I
2: did. I enjoyed the coverage, Jimbo.
0: Did you? (laughs) Great. Okay. fabulous.
2: I did. I was doing the uh, press conference actually afterwards. I didn't ask a question.
0: Oh, you were doing it remotely via Zoom?
2: I was doing it from my office, yeah, and um, it was one of those where I'm so low down the pecking order of mm. journalists for that one because we were doing it from a Premier League angle that right. my, all the questions I would have had were got taken. So I right. just sat there in the background and scribbled down notes. But um, I think it's an interesting one about Kepa and, and Mendy and who will mm. start the final now.
0: Yeah, because Mendy's back from AFCON, his triumph there. Any word yet on whether... Thomas Tuchel, who himself had to be doing his work via Zoom for the semi-final, having tested positive for for COVID, whether he'll be able to. Uh, yeah, that be was there. covered
2: as well, actually, by one of uh, one of the journalists uh, before they got to me. Um, yeah, he actually um, is having another test soon. Mm-hmm. If he gets a negative, they're hoping mm-hmm. he could fly out for the final. But Brilliant. there's not no confirmation on that. But they're hoping to get him out there.
0: Must be a fr- imagine if you were in the if you are doing a press conference and you, Duncan Alexander's got the question before you and he he goes with how many letters cats and dogs <laughs> in your team's players and you're like yeah I but- like
3: it refreshing
2: it would have been refreshing it wouldn't have taken my question away
0: no that's for sure yeah. but it might have taken the time away Lindsay that's my yeah oh, but done. no I'm only I'm only joshing Duncan did we ever resolve that question by the way cats were ahead.
2: You can hear can my hear dog, dog getting involved. Yeah, <laughs> In well, the, the
0: top, to- go and give it a kick, Lindsay. Yeah.
2: <laughs> because I went quiet doesn't mean I acted on that on that instruction. Right, you know, see. fair enough. Which okay. is
0: clearly a, an attempt to make light of a desperately awful situation. Well, that video's
3: getting released. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I mean, you still going on going on the the form this week. You'll still get picked for the next edition of the podcast. So right, so you'd, yeah, you'd be fine, yeah.
0: Sorry, Duncan, you were going to say something.
3: I just thought of a re- another really good um, truth that was disproven by data. Do oh, yeah? It? It's a bit late. Which is the the famous classic Manchester United team of Schmeichel, Gary Neville, Irwin, mm. oh. Pallister, Janssen, that one. They only played once in the Premier League, which Brian. Manchester United fans, it baffles them, which, which is fair enough. And you know, I've had people say, no, 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 I was at this game... And they definitely will start at that game. And then, lo and behold, there's a there's a Jesper Bronkfest messing it up. Or a Nicky Butt. It's the way it goes.
0: There you go. Our perceptions of reality. That's what it's all about, listener. We'll be back with more thoughts on that and football uh, on Monday, reacting to, well, those games that we just uh, mentioned. And much, much more, of course. For now, it's many, many thanks to Lindsay and to Nick and to Duncan and producer Charlie. And you, listener. Have a great weekend. Keep it totally. We'll be back with you on Monday. Bye-bye for now.
5: You've been listening to The Totally Football Show, part of The Athletic Podcast Network. Listen ad-free on The Athletic app and discover bonus content by following The Athletic UK Audio Plus on Apple Podcasts. Find out the very latest subscription offers at theathletic.com totally. The Totally Football Show is an athletic media company production and sponsored by Paddy Power.
4: the Athletic.